Well, how was your homework this week? What, what stood out to you from Romans 7, 1 through 6? Was God leading you to anything in this passage? This week it was a, sh a short is a short passage. It's just six short verses. It continues the idea from Romans six fifteen through twenty three, the second half of what we talked about last week. Um, so Ray and I we met in college, and we have had our share of misunderstandings before, both before and after we got married. Um, you should ask Ray about our miscommunication of the word meaning when it came to studying the Bible. That was one that lasted several years before we were able to understand that it all came down to differing definitions of one word, but we were actually saying the exact same thing. So, so um, a lot of, we had a lot of conversations before we got married in order to establish a few non-negotiables. Um, some are, are odd, like the fact that we decided before we got married that because of his role in ministry, we would not ask people outside of family to give for fundraisers or to host parties where the host are, receives rewards. Just something we decided. Um, others, not so odd, like the fact that we decided that not only was divorce not an option for us, but that we wouldn't even mention it in an argument, even as a joke. He had very personal reasons for this request, as he was a child of divorce, and that was something I had very little experience with. I know that I was blessed growing up. I never had to live in fear of my parents leaving each other because they never said the word. But his upbringing was very different. His parents divorced when he was 12, and he had to live with one parent and visit the other. And even though he was not yet a Christian, he knew that his teenage years were not the way it was meant to be. His parents broke the bond of marriage, and he lived a broken childhood because of it. So Paul is going to use marriage as an illustration in our passage today. He is not talking about the theology of marriage, just like he didn't talk about the theology of baptism last week. So know that I, as I am teaching our lesson today, I am also not teaching the theology of marriage. Nothing that I am saying is a judgment on anyone inside or outside of this room. So just prefacing our lesson with that statement. Um, but as we begin Romans 7, we need to recall what Paul is teaching us in this section of Scripture. And so in Romans 6, Paul started addressing some of the objections of the Roman believers. And today's passage, like I said, is a continuation of the second half of that chapter. And so I want us to read Romans 6.15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. And so what is the objection that Paul is, is continuing to address here? Yeah, the, the, that we're, we're no longer under the law, and so it doesn't, the law doesn't matter anymore. We're under grace, so we should just ignore the law. But, 
uh, and just as a small aside, what what's the law that Paul is referring to here? The Mosaic law. The Mosaic law. Not Roman law, not moral law. He's talking about that law in Leviticus in, in the first five books. But, um, and so Paul used the example of slavery last week and about serving a master. But this week, he gives us another illustration. Um, Romans 7, 1 through 3. Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. For if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. Now keep in mind, this is an illustration and not an allegory. An allegory would be a parallel where everything means something. So, but like in any illustration, we can't take it too far. But this is a very good illustration of, of what he's, marriage makes a good illustration for what he's talking about. So marriage is a covenant between a husband and a wife. It is a gift of God, and it was established in the book of Genesis, in Genesis 2.24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And so Paul is using this concept of becoming one flesh as his basis for, for marriage and, and marriage being, um, being for life. Um, Jesus addresses marriage in Matthew 5, 31 through 34 and Matthew 19, 1 through 12. He does include other ends to marriages besides death, just for your awareness. Um, but just know that Paul's point is to use marriage to illustrate his concept, and again, not the theology of marriage. So Paul is telling us that like death ends the bond of marriage, death also ends the law. Um, and so we're going to dig a little deeper into this illustration to see how Paul explains the application to us, because he explains it. In, in Romans 7, 4 through 6, which I gave to somebody to read. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in a new way of in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. And so before we were saved, we were condemned by the law. That's what we have been talking about and, and in particular last week. Um, but when when we are saved we are united to Christ. So we, we died to both the flesh and the law. 
the law didn't die, we died. And so our, in, in our illustration, when the husband died, the wife was released from the law. And that's where it's kind of, we have to note, the law didn't die. God's law still rules over people. We just died to the law. It, has, it no longer has dominion over us. Christ's death became our death. It released us from the law and freed us to marry him. Timothy Keller says, what an incredible metaphor. We are married to Christ. To be a Christian is to fall in love with Jesus and to enter into a legal yet personal relationship as comprehensive as marriage. So think about marriage. It changes everything. When you're married, you can no longer make unilateral decisions. Um, has anybody watched those Christmas commercials for car dealerships, right? And these, you know, you go out into the driveway and the husband drags the wife out there and there's this big red bow on top of a car, right? And every time I think, oh man, I would kill my husband if he bought a car without having that conversation with me. That's a huge expense. You know, I... <laughs> We were talking about buying a new coffee maker for a couple of hundred dollars the other day because that's a purchase that we would discuss. You know, a couple of hundred dollars is a big deal. You talk about things when you get married. Uh, in fact, that's, that's how I knew when I was in love with Ray. He was spending the summer in Thailand doing mission work um, and when we were in college, and I was making some plans. I was... I was working uh, as a co-op student for an engineering firm, thinking about housing, thinking about um, was this place somewhere that I would pursue to continue working for, just different things like that. And I told myself, I, I should wait until Ray and I can talk about it. And it caught me completely off guard because I was like, well, why would I need to talk to him about this? Like, and then it hit me, oh, I get it. Because, because I want to be, I want him to be a part of, of the rest of my life. I didn't want to decide without his input, not because I was insecure, not because I wanted somebody else to blame if it didn't go the way I wanted it to. I wanted his input because I knew it was no longer going to be only me that was impacted by my decisions. Marriage changes everything. You have a duty and an obligation, but you also have a love and an intimacy with your husband. Timothy Keller says, being married to Christ is the final answer to the question, can a Christian live as he or she chooses? And the answer is no, because we are in love with Christ. So Elizabeth shared a post on her Facebook page last week from a group called Fierce Marriage that said, a husband's greatest privilege and grandest charge is to tell his wife he loves her without uttering a single word. Now, I'm going to argue this is true for the wife to the husband as well. But this is also the feeling we should all have towards Jesus. We should want to show him that we love him without uttering a single word. We want to honor and obey. 
we are happy to make changes in our lives in order to please our beloved. So Warren Wiersbe, he says, to be dead to the law does not mean that we lead lawless lives. It simply means that the motivation and dynamic of our lives does not come from the law. It comes from God's grace through our union with Christ. We are dead to the law. We died to the law. We no longer obey out of fear or out of, out of that need for acceptance. We no longer obey because we are afraid that God will, God will move on without us. The law is no longer what earns us access to God. We now have a new goal. Um, and it, it, in uh, verses 4 and 5, it, it talks about this new goal being to bear good fruit. Um, this isn't the only time that, that Paul or others in the New Testament have talked about bearing fruit. And so Colossians 1, 9 through 14 So this was part of Paul's prayer for the Colossians, and he wanted them to bear fruit in every good work. And then we have a, a familiar one, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. And so these are the things that are good fruit. These are the things that we should be bearing um, in, those, in our works. And then um, Jesus also talked about bearing fruit in John 15, 8. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he's saying, in bearing good fruit, you are proving yourself to be mine. And so, so that's that, that's sort of putting that picture of, of the, the love and dedication of marriage and to bearing good fruit in order to prove or to show that we love Jesus. And then at the beginning of verse six, Paul says two words, but now, um, just as a, uh, as a note, the King James Version is not the best translation of this verse. Um, the word order makes it sound like it's the law that died, but we are the ones that died to the law. So we died to, to sin and to the law. And so the, the ESV uh, is a better translation. It says, but now we are released from from the law having died to that which held us captive so that we serve in the new way of the spirit 
and not in the old way of the written code. This isn't us saying, it's not Paul saying we ignore the moral law of God. It's, it's Paul saying, but now we see this as an expression of love for God by doing what he desires. We use it to please the one who saves us. The law is no longer a burden. It, we have a new motivation. Uh, and that, by the way, the um, King James Version, the word spirit is lowercase s, but it should actually be capitalized. So just um, because it's when we become saved, we receive the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit, um, it's so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. It's because of the Holy Spirit that we can uh, serve God and bear fruit. So as I was reading this morning, actually, I, I made it to Psalm 42. And um, verse 1 of Psalm 42 says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. That was one and two, by the way. Um, this, is, this is the picture of how we should love God, how we should long for God. This is the picture of our desire to obey God. And so as you go about your week, this week, think about, think about whether you long for God like a deer longs for fresh water. Think about, think about how you long for God. Next week, we will finish Romans 7. Um, and so if you take, take the opportunity to go through, ob observe the, the passage, um, see if you can find keywords, see if you can find um, contrasts, lists, those questions that Paul asks. And then try your hand at, at finding the, the application finding the explanation and the application of those of those passages or of that passage um, and then we will break into our small groups to have our discussion time